COVID-19, better known as coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. Symptoms of this respiratory disease may include fever, cough, and shortness of breath. These symptoms may show up 2 to 14 days after exposure. If you are experiencing these symptoms and have come into contact or are in an area with an ongoing outbreak, please call a hotline and or consult with a physician. Clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces. For more information, please visit cdc.gov forward slash COVID-19. Thank you. Bring me your TV. All your TV. You do not want to face the wrath of my bunghole. There must be more TV. More TV. More TV. Now. Hello, world. This is Chris Abalo's Podcast Experiment, and I am Chris Abalo. Welcome to the show, the third episode since the show has relaunched. The third episode from our self-quarantine, somewhat mandatory, highly suggested, better not leave the house or we'll shame you on social media, quarantine. First of all, I want to thank everybody for checking out the show, because I didn't really have any expectations when I decided to relaunch the show. There's something like 800,000 podcasts out there, and obviously most of them don't get listened to. Most of them don't make money. So there was no grand plan in doing this apart from me wanting to do this again, selfishly. I thought, okay, I want to do this show, and I planned on it a couple months ago, like I said, but different things came into play, and it's happening now instead. But given the circumstance, it seemed like the right time to just get the ball rolling, despite what's going on right now in the country and in the world. But I told myself I wasn't going to look at download numbers or anything like that. I wasn't going to concern myself with how many people are listening because I didn't really think it would have any bearing on me actually doing the show or how I felt about doing it or anything like that. But I'm not that bright. So when I signed in to make a post for today's show, when I signed into WordPress, the the download statistics are right on the dashboard as soon as I sign in. So I did see them prior to recording this. And I just want to say thank you because I really am blown away by how many people have checked out the show, who've downloaded previous episodes, who've just checked it out since last Monday with the relaunch. I'm just insanely honored. I'm flattered. And I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you continue to listen. And uh, I hope this is bringing a little bit of levity to what's otherwise a, a generally uncomfortable situation with everybody having to be at home and use whatever means they have to entertain themselves. And I'm glad I'm able to do something because I was even thinking about TV shows that are going to have to stop production or suddenly had to stop production, I should say, earlier this month because a lot of shows that air weekly, particularly on the broadcast networks, they generally shoot into April and the season's final episodes usually air sometime in May. And I thought, wow, there are a lot of shows that are just going to have no real ending, no conclusion to the season because everybody kind of had to stop suddenly and i think it's the same with podcasts there are a lot of podcasts particularly the most popular ones that are based on a host interviewing somebody and some of them are pre-recorded some are done on the day and then posted later that day or the day after but there's going to be a point where if people aren't getting together and especially people are just staying home period that a lot of those shows are going to run out of guests i don't know if the hosts are just going to do solo shows or if they're going to dial back 
how many episodes they do. I have no idea, but there are a lot of podcasts out there where it's a host interviewing a guest, and now that there aren't going to be that many guests for who knows how many weeks, I wonder how those shows are going to handle it. Frankly, this morning was the first day the Howard Stern Show went back on the air, but the first time they've recorded remotely, or broadcasted remotely, I should say. So I'm very interested. I'm, I'm anxious to check that out. I want to hear that later on to see exactly how that went, because this is unprecedented for a lot of people. And even somebody like Howard, who's been doing radio for decades, hasn't had to do a show completely away from the studio where the studio has been shut down, at least for a a long-term period like this could be. It could be for the next month that he'll be doing shows from home and the staff will be doing the shows remotely as opposed to doing them at their studio at SiriusXM. So I was just thinking about, wow, I, it's going to be really interesting how the, the, the landscape is going to change when it comes to a lot of the programming people are, are used to, like podcasts. So I'm glad I can do this and, and what I'm doing for right now, since this format is something I can keep doing for as long as I have to. And I hope everybody's enjoying it. I hope you're enjoying the, the phoners that I'm doing with people. Do want to address really quickly an issue which I noticed, and I don't know if anybody else did, but... Listening back to the last episode, there were a few moments that some might have thought were farts. They weren't. I promise you. I'm sitting in a leather chair, my my desk chair, in front of my computer, which is where the studio rig is all connected. A couple of times when I moved on the chair, it may have sounded like a quiet, kind of you know slow fart in the background. It wasn't. I swear. It's just me moving in my chair and uh, trying to reposition myself because I'm sitting for however long I'm on the phone. And uh, like we do, just kind of adjusted myself. So I'm not going to apologize because I didn't fart on the mic. I haven't gotten so comfortable at home and so lost all sense of decorum that I don't know how to handle myself and present myself in a with a certain air of professionalism. But I'm also playing around with different equipment and trying different mics and things like that to try to get the, the best sound possible and see what works best for this recording space and for the format of this show with doing the phoners, with me just sitting here by myself and what have you. So that is an issue that hopefully won't plague the uh, background of the shows anymore. And uh, one last thing before we get into the conversation with Ryan Taggart. The thing I found most amusing over the last week, this first week of social distancing, are these videos that a lot of people are making, a lot of singers in particular or different artists, where they're adjusting their lyrics to reflect self-isolation or washing your hands or whatever it's really really funny and heads up unintentional self-promotion coming but i've retweeted a bunch of them so if you go to at chris Abalo on twitter i retweeted uh, neil diamond did a version of sweet caroline which is hilarious and but my favorite so far and i've retweeted a bunch of them because he did a bunch of them were liam gallagher formerly of Oasis, who now has his own solo career, but he did a bunch of, one of his solo songs and a couple Oasis songs, all related to washing your hands, and it's hysterical. That, so seeing things like that have been my favorite thing from this past week, just people bringing a little bit of levity, bringing some laughter and some entertainment to everybody while they're sitting at home. Because obviously, as you're about to hear, there's a lot of confusion and there are a lot of uh, depressing elements about social distancing, and staying at home. So let's check in with Ryan Taggart. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Chris. How's it going? It's all right. How are you holding up so far at the end of week one? We are, we're holding up. We're holding up here now. 
Uh, I mean, there, there are definitely mixed uh, opinions on this whole thing and what measures are necessary. This is something when I don't think any of us have ever really faced uh, in, in this country or in our lives. Uh, this is this is all new territory as far as the government telling us to stay in our houses <laughs> to uh, prevent the spread of a disease. Um, now, to be honest, I, we're we're not staying uh, faithful to that. I mean, if we want to go to the supermarket, we're going to the supermarket. We've had to pick up a few things here and there, like we've taken a walk around the neighborhood. Obviously, there's not much of anything open aside from that, so we're not really going anywhere else. But I mean, a lot of people are saying, like, don't even go to the supermarket unless there's like a real emergency. But I, I, I can't get there. Well, that's extreme. Um, I mean, I just I went to the, to the supermarket yesterday for the same reason. There are a couple things we were out of, and I thought, well, let me just go now because everything's pretty much. I mean, with everybody working from home, I don't know that there's a less crowded time to go anyway. If you can call what what's happening right now crowds at all, so I, I've been right, going out right. to get a couple of things here and there as we've needed it. So I don't think anyone, I, I don't know, I, I get that that's probably the more super paranoid people are saying that, but I don't think anybody's mandating, like, listen, I mean, even here, the, the 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. is more of a heavily suggested self-quarantine time frame just to make sure people aren't out at all hours. But there's no, like, nobody's getting ticketed for being out after 8 p.m. or anything like that. Right, right. And that's, I mean, that's one of those things that you hear being thrown about, and there's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of people just making stuff up. Uh, I heard from this person who heard from that person that people are going to start getting arrested for being out, uh, you know, if they can't prove that they need to be somewhere that's crucial to, you know, the survival of the country at large. I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, there are, there are talks of quarantines lasting for months on end, uh, 12 to 18 months. Uh, you know, which is ludicrous. I mean, that's your that's your nightmare. Yeah, it's not sustainable. I mean, uh, a couple of weeks of this. I mean, it, it, quite honestly, it took me a while to even get on board with this because I still think that this is a massive react uh, overreaction to you know a disease that has a ninety seven percent survival rate. And you know, there are a lot of you know, and I'm not a science denier at all. I never have been. And obviously, I'm not going to call this a hoax. I'm not going to say that this virus isn't real. But I mean, there are you know these these experts who, quite honestly, there's so much information and they're they're trying to figure this out because it's so new. But they're guessing, they are guessing in so many instances here, and they're saying every single person in America, 331 some odd million people are are all going to get this disease. And I, I can't fathom how anyone could possibly say that with any certainty. Oh, of course, that's like, probably even, even with the even with the social distancing measures that at least some of us are taking. They're saying, oh, everyone's going to get this, and there's nothing we can do to stop it. And I, I, there's nothing that's going to make me believe that. So when, when I hear those extremes and then, you know, people are saying that, I mean, uh, Governor Cuomo uh, in, uh, in New York is saying that, and I don't know if he's just talking about New York City or New York State at large, but he's saying that these, uh, these closures and these quarantines could last nine months. You're going to have riots, you know, if that's the case, if you're telling people to stay inside that long. You're going to have suicide attempts go through the roof. People are stocking up on guns. We have a, a massive, massive uncontrolled mental health crisis in this country. And you pile all that together and tell people who are losing jobs, uh, potentially going to lose homes, losing everything, that they have to stay inside. You're going to see suicide attempts go through the roof. And a lot of people are going to be successful. 
murder suicides. You're going to see eventually riots if you think that you can keep people trapped for that long. Eventually, if that's the case, we're just going to have to take our chances. And, uh, and there's no way to say this without sounding horrible, but I mean, when you look at the things that people are saying about how long this is going to last and that we're uh, going to have to just hunker down and do it, but you can't you can't tell a, a country this large that they have to do something like that. The, you know, thing- the economy is already tanked. Uh, you know, a lot of people are going to not recover from this, even after a couple of weeks. Yeah, this is going to be a recession for sure. It's pretty hard to dispute that at this point, there are a lot of, everyone's trying to cling, I mean, particularly in terms of businesses, everyone's trying to cling to whatever means they can of minimizing right. their their losses. And Congress is dragging their feet on, on sending out any sort of relief or stimulus package. I mean, it's been talked about for almost two weeks now, and nothing official has been approved. You know, even even Trump himself uh, a week, week and a half ago said that, like, we need to send out relief now. We need to be cutting checks within a week or two and sending them out to people who need them, and nothing's, nothing's happening, which is insane. You know, there's so many people that are going to be so screwed financially by this, they're going to wish that they were dead, and they're waiting on money, and, you know, on both sides of the aisle, they're arguing about this, and they're picking apart these bills instead of just acting and, and helping this country rise up from this. And it's it's crazy. I mean, the thing that honestly scared me this week has been reading about these 30 somethings who are being taken out by this, who were otherwise healthy. But seeing it's not just seniors. I mean, there was a family in, I want to say, Freehold, who yes. I know it was definitely a mother and then two of her kids passed away before she did who got this. And I think there was a fourth right. family member somewhere in there. But I'm thinking, wow. Her, I mean, fourth family member, yeah, that died so far. Yeah, I mean, she she was, I think, 73, which she's in the range for being more at risk for basically anything. I mean, when you're a certain age, right. your body's not as equipped to, to fight off anything, really. Any infirm infirmity? Right. Yeah, sure. Let's say it's infirmity. In this case, it's not too much of a surprise that maybe it got her, but her kids were in their 30s, I believe, if I remember that. It was a couple of days ago, but... Her kids were uh, adults. I don't think they were that young. They were they were in their forties. Oh, really? Um, and I think one of them was in their fifties. Yeah, I don't think that they were in their thirties. Oh, okay. I mean, I'd have to look it up to be sure. I don't think they were that young, but I might be mixing stories than, together. Uh, still younger than uh, what is ideal for something like that, obviously. Oh yeah. Um, to, to be taken out by by something like this. Um, and I I, I mean I, I get it to a certain extent. But like I, I don't want anybody to die. Of course, like. You know, I would never wish this upon anybody, but I mean, with, with something like this, when you see what we faced before, uh, SARS, H1N1, uh, swine flu, bird flu, um, I mean, uh, I understand that this infects very quickly and spreads quickly, but I mean, even I, I understand that it's not the flu, you know, before anyone jumps down my throat, but I mean, every single year the flu kills between something between 40 and 70,000 people in the United States alone, every single year, like clockwork, and nobody bats an eyelash at all. And, and people don't care about that. I mean, that's that's a lot of people. You know, let's, let's even put it in the middle. 50,000 people in one country alone die from the flu every single year. And nothing gets shut down. It's still highly contagious. Nobody freaks out. And it's just when you see that and then you see something like this, I mean, I think somewhere between two and 300 people have died so far. And... Uh, the, the reaction to this is just, I think, taking everyone aback. 
I think everybody, it's kind of like with a lot of things. I think the, the overreaction is because this is an unknown variable. This is something like the flu. There are kind of versions of, or there, there are ways to classify it. And yet this, yeah, there is obviously in as much as there's a bi- you know, COVID-19 is the name for it, AKA coronavirus or whatever. So there is something that they can call it. But at the same time, I think the idea of we don't know how to treat this. We don't know what's necessarily working. People are recovering, but as of yet, there isn't a common means known to medicate yourself or to, to treat or to cure. And I think that's kind of, I know they, up here in Bergen County, they opened a, uh, a drive through facility for testing and they capped it yeah. at a thousand people by, I think, 10 a.m. It was really early. And they're doing the same thing right. with the art center, which is in central Jersey. That's going to be a drive through facility too. But they're even telling people if you're not exhibiting symptoms, don't even come because there are enough people who either have the flu or people are being affected by, I mean, now we're in allergy season which is awesome, which is the only thing I'm getting is a little bit of a tickle in my nose and a tickle in my throat. But I pop a Zyrtec in the morning, and generally I'm okay. And I have nose spray if it gets really aggressive. But there are plenty of people who just want to be tested to be sure. And I think the fact that there are so many people that are asymptomatic, I think that's feeding people's paranoia too. I mean, for what it's worth, I'm not going to be seeing my parents at all during this time because they're both in their 70s. And I literally don't think I could live with myself if I had it. I was asymptomatic. And I went to see my parents and they got it because they're, they've been staying in the house apart from one grocery store trip this week. So I think it's, it's the fact that it's an unknown infection that we're dealing with. This virus is, is yet to be something that affects humans on this large scale. And it doesn't help when you look at countries like Italy and you see the mortality rate there or in China, at least what's being reported. That's another thing. People don't necessarily believe the information that the Chinese government has given out because they weren't too forthcoming when this started in the first place. So it's exactly. really, right. I think there are a lot of things to feed people's paranoia. So I do kind of get both sides. I hate to sit on the fence. I realize it's Jack's job, but I, I do kind of get <laughs> why people are concerned about it. And I also get the frustration of, oh, this is an overreaction. This is something people need to calm down about. But anyway, uh, let's talk about the most important thing going on right now in your life, uh, which is beer. How are you set on beer for the next couple of weeks? Oh, if this very, very sad. And what's what's interesting is... Um, that liquor stores are allowed to stay open. They're considered an essential service. And here's why. <laughs> These days. Found out. Because you, I mean, a lot of people question this. Everyone's like, why the hell are liquor stores allowed to stay open? How are they essential? The clear answer is that I, I've read is that you can't have alcoholics not able to access that because they go into detox. They're going to be flooding emergency rooms or doctor's offices or whatever taking up needed resources that need to be addressing patients of COVID-19 right now. So it's a very, very interesting thing that that's considered essential for that reason. Now, I don't know that necessarily any government agency said that specifically, but that seems to be the resounding answer when people are flabbergasted thinking, why is this essential? There's your answer. It makes sense. You have so many alcoholics that are going to come down and are going to need medical treatment and, they can't be prioritized above, you know, and what's going on with this. Um, so with that, breweries are considered uh, essential as well. So they're able to stay open for takeout only. So they're able to uh, to do cans and uh, bottles and, uh, you know, people just grab them to go. So they're not pouring beer, unfortunately. Um, a lot of breweries are, um, the states uh, allow them temporarily to do home delivery, which is also really cool. 
uh, within uh, within a certain radius. Um, I actually went to uh, to a brewery called Source in uh, in Colts Neck, and uh, it was just like a really surreal experience. Uh, I didn't know what to expect when I got there, and they weren't letting anyone inside the brewery. They actually scanned. Um, they do uh, pre-orders online for all their cans, so that way you you buy it online and then you just go and pick it up, which is a really nice, easy procedure. So you go there with your email on your phone. They would scan it. Someone would scan it through the window of the brewery with uh, you know an iPad, and then they would come out. They would put your beer on top of a barrel that they had there, so there's literally no human contact whatsoever. And then you just walk away with it. And they'd have a sign up, you know, explaining this procedure. And it was really, really weird, and I was taken aback by it. And I get it because, uh, you know, those particular uh, people there had kids and I saw a couple of them in the brewery at the time. Um, so I get what they're what they're trying to protect. But it was just really, really strange. But they're allowed to keep doing this and they're allowed to keep their business, which is great because, uh, I mean, a lot of these places run on really thin margins uh, to begin with. And they're losing a lot of business by not being able to you know, have their tasting room open. So they're able to provide for themselves and their families and for us, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, that's yeah, the important fans. part for you. Um, right. Yeah, so, I mean, it's 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 definitely, uh, you know, a strange, strange time. But, uh, yeah, I'm definitely set for beer. <laughs> that's not a worry. <laughs> I've seen I've seen a lot of that. I know uh, Best Buy sent out an email saying they're just going to have, you can place an order online or on the app and go to the store to pick it up, and they'll give you an, I believe it's an ETA, to go pick up whatever it is, which you can imagine. I'm sure people, now, hey, now if you were thinking about a new TV, now's the time to invest. You're going to spend a lot of time on the couch watching TV or multiple exactly. TVs. So it's not the worst thing for them to stay open because that is kind of an essential service. I mean, same thing with video games when it comes to people being able to buy them at Best Buy. GameStop is making an argument right now that they're an essential service because so many people are going to be at home. And it's kind of hard to argue right. with that. Because there's only so much right. fulfillment online retailers can provide. So if you can go to a local GameStop, and I'm pretty sure almost every town has one. Certainly every other town has one. And same thing with Best Buy. Then, hey, why not? You are going to be home. You you are going to need to do things to entertain yourself so you don't go stir crazy and get those suicidal thoughts or, or unhealthy thoughts in your mind. You need you need to work and those out right. by playing Call of Duty or whatever. I don't know and what the that's, modern that's equivalent exactly is. That's exactly the point. Like how you can how you stretch this, you know, to call these kind of things essential services. And that's that's a really fair point when you think about it as far as everyone's mental health during this. Under normal circumstances, I mean, we, we have a huge mental health problem in this country. It's huge and it's undeniable, you know, as it is. And then you add isolation, further isolation into it. You know, people need to be able to entertain themselves every second of the day because those thoughts do creep in. Now, I'm not talking personally. I'm not suicidal right now. I'm annoyed <laughs> right now. <laughs> not, know, it's only week one. I'm not, yeah, but you know, yeah, this is this is week one of this. I mean, if this becomes protracted, I mean, you know, every, everyone has had their own mental health struggles with anxiety or or what have you. I mean, you and I have talked about it, but um, it's, this is definitely going to be a huge, huge test on that. And you know, if this goes on longer than a couple of weeks, I do fear for the collective mental health of, of people in this country. I do. I will put out. There are so many brilliant people that could be working on this, and I just I hope that they're able to come to something where we can get back out, the economy can bounce back, everyone can go about their lives, and we don't have millions of deaths. That's the preferable scenario. Right. I do want to throw out a plug, actually, because I do, and I'm not getting paid for this just because I use the Headspace meditation app, which is great. But right now, they actually have a section 
If you download the app, it's called Weathering the Storm, which is free for everybody. Mm-hmm. As long as you download the app, you can you can access it. And this is just in general for the general audience as well. That they have single calming meditations. They have ten day courses you can take. All this stuff is free right now to help with SOS meditations, meditations for help with sleep. Because you're you're absolutely right. There is a huge mental health component to all of this because there are people who have anxiety issues or have depression or have issues with being isolated or feeling isolated. I mean, I was talking about this with Sherry the other day saying, you know, if things were equal for me to how it was when I was living in California. Now, the ideal would have been at this time for her and I having been together for three and a half years at this point. If we were still in California, we'd probably be living together. But if I were still living on my own in my studio apartment and essentially isolated, yeah, I probably would go a little nuts because I'm living right. in a in a small room and not being able to go out or restricting being able to go out. I mean, I'd probably I'd probably get too inside my head, which I've I've had to fight against in the past anyway. I mean, it was frankly it was isolating enough living out there in a lot of respects. So right now, when you can't really interact with anybody or, or any kind of first person interaction, of course. It's difficult. So I, we were talking the other day about, wow, I'm really glad that I'm not out there in the situation I was in even three years ago or two years ago. I was still living there. If, if I were still under those circumstances, yeah, I'd, I'd get a little deep. <laughs> it would be troubling. If I was, I even said that, boy, if I was a drinker, I, I might be in trouble after a couple weeks of this. If I did have any kind of a affinity for alcohol consumption. It might be a little harder for me to get through kind of being at home and sitting because I'm like you. I don't need to. I, I, I don't like to stay home if I don't need to. I went to the recycling right. center this week and stuff was starting to pile up. So that was just a fact. And I don't we don't know the schedule yet of when they come and pick it up with the trash on what days because it's only, I think, like two days a month. But even still, it, it's just it's in town. So it wasn't that far. But just to get out of the house and breathe some fresh air. That was nice <laughs> just to be able to get out. So people who can't, who have no choice, I I don't know. I, I do think it's really, really difficult. And I get even saying video games and alcohol, all these things. I, I honestly get those cases for essential services. Food, I think everybody's doing delivery at this point. I mean, there's so many, so many new restaurants jumping on all the delivery apps because that's really the only way they're going to survive, especially mom and pop places. And like these breweries, oh, exactly. which are small breweries in one location, they're not part of the they're not under the umbrella of a huge conglomerate so how are they right. going to keep it up will they be able to do this and and you know what i'm not surprised that you're saying they're kind of the brewery is, is serving people fulfilling these orders my father was telling me that on the news the great chain that is wawa is uh the, the employees are the ones pouring out the coffee there's no self-serve coffee you're essentially ordering right. a cup of coffee if you want just a regular order of colombian coffee with cream you're an employee's pouring it and mixing it for you and handing it to you which I get because as much as you can say, you know, trying social distancing and trying to keep people away from each other, the truth is we spread germs all the time without knowing it. I mean, I was even joking the other day that this is one of the times where I think, wow, it's not so bad to not have to pump your own gas in New Jersey because somebody else is handling that. And at least they, they're protecting themselves by wearing gloves or whatever. And most people don't. I used to cover up my hands right. all the time when I pump my own gas in California. I'd have napkins in the car or a lot of places would have. Some stations actually had uh, plastic glove dispensers, which was cool. So they they knew people wanted to be conscientious about it. But when you think about it, yeah, we don't know how things get spread. We don't know how to protect ourselves day to day. So when something like this comes along, which is the the people who get it, get it seriously. And it's not just a narrow 
group of people who, who seem to be getting it again, people in their 30s. But anything right. you can and to I kind of avoid contact. You know, behind you know all this uh, as far as a certain distance to keep and, you know, the fact that we all touch our faces so much and then touch things, I mean, you don't think about it. But, you know, when this first started kind of getting a little weird where everyone's like, stop touching your face. I'm like, yeah. You know, I've only been touching my face uh, 6,000 times a day for 36 years. I guess I'll just stop now, <laughs> you know, like inadvertently touching your face. <laughs> yeah. Inadvertently. Like you, you don't realize how many times, but you know, when you start reading articles about it, like the average person touches their face thousands of times a day, thousands, you know, and it's all so much of it is subconscious. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm just going to be able to stop doing that on a dime today. because of <laughs> This going on, like <laughs> I do it too. I don't. No way. Since since this has been part of the of the national conversation, I've noticed how many times I do touch my face, whether it's my nose or my eyes or, or something. I'll just realize whether it's for an itch or whatever it is. Just how many times, or some kind of discomfort, like oh, it feels like there's something in my eye. Whatever. Just subconsciously, I'm catching myself doing it and realizing, wow, yeah, we do touch our faces a whole lot during the day, and just don't you don't think about it. Because it's something right. that doesn't really require any thought. It's just, okay, I'll put my hand to my face, scratch that itch, or whatever it is you, you got to whatever kind of business you got to get to take care of on your face. So it, it is funny. Right. You, you kind of realize little things like that. I've noticed it myself. Uh, we should say, since it hasn't really been talked about on any podcast of any sort, that uh, you now have a one-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Brielle. Yes. How is she handling being inside? She's kind of she she has her own awareness, and I'm sure she's developing her her routines. But now that she's more she's able to walk around and everything, so I'm sure uh, you've she, ended she's up. She's not quite that aware yet. No, like she's not bugging us to go outside or any, anything like that. I mean, we we've taken her out when we go out to the supermarket, um, and you know we took her for a walk the other day. We popped her in the stroller. We brought the dogs out. You know that day when it was almost 80 degrees. Um, you know, the day that everyone freaked out about, like, what is everyone doing outside? Are you crazy? <laughs> like, it's 80 degrees in the middle of March in New Jersey. It's the most gorgeous day we've seen this year. Yes, people are going to go outside. Christ. Um, well, just people but, walking yeah, around outside isn't necessarily going to spread. You know, you walking through your neighborhood, you're not going to, even if you had it, you're not going to spread it to anybody. But if you had it, you probably wouldn't even want to go outside anyway because apparently you feel so awful. Oh, no. And so yeah, tired. Like if, I, if I knew I had it, like, I wouldn't be going anywhere. Like, I'd be fine with this I'd, I'd get it but um but yeah no she i mean we're, we're there's a little bit of stir craziness going on already because it's all day um you know we just had the weekend and now jen is not going to be working um so her dental office just closed and the restaurant where she works closed so we're, we're going to be inside all a lot together and uh you know a toddler is a lot to handle she's you know she's talking she's walking she's making a disaster of the house you know, she constantly wants to watch only certain TV shows. So she's got that kind of bad awareness going on. <laughs> and, um, you know, she's a lot to handle. It's, it's, it's been exhausting. And you, know, you wouldn't think it would be like, oh, okay, you're not working. Like, life should be easy. But, you know, when it's uh, 24-7 of taking care of a toddler, it, it is a full-time job. Well, that's what, every, that's what every housewife has said for decades. That's always the joke. As a man comes home from work, oh, I had a hell of a day. And then the wife. You want to know what happened in this house today? <laughs> so now everybody's right. getting a, a exactly. dose of that like the, that cliche. I never diminish like what how hard it is to be by yourself taking care of a of a walking talking toddler who you know throws tantrums and you know destroys what you just cleaned up and <laughs> you know whines in your face to be picked up and you you can't do anything alone. 
Like it's 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 hard and it's crazy. That's the one thing and I do she's, think. She's starting to repeat things that we say. Uh, oh, that's going to be awesome. Vocabulary is blowing up. You know, she heard me say shit today while we were in the kitchen, and she repeated it very clearly. <laughs> and that's not good because it's my favorite word. <laughs> I say it constantly. See, I can laugh about it because I don't need to correct the behavior. Right. Yeah. No. There's. There's no way. Like I'm. I'm never going to be able to stop cursing. And now she's like, I don't know. I left one of the burners on on the stove or something like that. I was like, oh shit. And she's like, shit. I'm like, oh, are you kidding? <laughs> uh, she's a year and a half old, and she's doing this now, and it's <laughs> so she's she's a lot. <laughs> well, judging by how you've been dealing with this so far, I, I give it about a month before she starts saying this fucking quarantine. Right. Yeah, because that's going to be next. I mean, she without she, a doubt, she picks up new words all the time. She hears us and she repeats things. You know, she's able to name every color. She repeats what we say. Items we show her, she's though the her word bank is expanding by the day, and it's really impressive and cool, but also a little scary because we don't exactly watch our language <laughs> <laughs> under normal circumstances. Right. Never mind now. Well, that's you know, what that, being trapped in the house for so much more time altogether. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> it's a little crazy. That's what I've been thinking. In 2021, I think the two numbers that are going to increase more than anything else will be. The divorce rate and the birth rate, because yeah, <laughs> I, I really yeah, exactly, I'm and I'm sure I'm not the first one to say that. But when you think about it, people are cooped up together. Of course, they're going to have a lot of sex and mm-hmm. a lot of people are going to fight and a lot of people are going to spend time with their spouse and they, they're they going to get tired. I mean, breakups across the board. I'm sure people who moved in together recently. Oh, without mm-hmm. a doubt, it's going to be a rude awakening for a lot of people. And I don't take any joy in saying that. I was just thinking, wow, people are really going to get tired of each other. I mean, we've only lived right. together for nine one months. The, one of the first things I thought, like just in the, uh, like just like the aftermath of nine eleven, there was a big baby boom the next year. Like with this, it's going to be the same thing. Every guy is going to be like, ah, skeet, skeet, motherfucker, <laughs> and like, <laughs> and they're going to get to it, and then you're going to see, and uh, you know, at the end, right before Christmas, everyone's going to be popping out babies, right? And uh, yeah, it's it's going to be crazy. You know, what's going to happen. Well, there is that, and a lot of uncomfortable I mean, we're, jerking we're off in the be bathroom. Included in either of those uh, those populations, but uh, yeah, a lot of people are. You're, you're absolutely right on both counts there. So we're only a week into this, and I assume you're probably on your typical uh, viewing routine. But is there anything you've decided to take up while you're home during the the self quarantine? The not so much of a self quarantine. Uh, yeah, so we're gonna um, finish the second season of Jack Ryan with uh, John Krasinski that we started. Uh, a little while back, it's been out for for months now. We watched the first episode and then it just kind of got lost, you know, in in life. Um, and we actually, just on a whim, you know, people were talking about it. We watched this uh, show on Netflix called Love Is Blind. It's oh this, right, uh, experiment show. I don't know if you've heard about it. Oh, yet. I've heard about it. Um, just in in passing. So Nick Lachey and his his wife Vanessa hosted the show, and these uh, you know these singles go into these uh, these dating pods as they're called, where it's you're each in a room separated by an opaque uh, window, and you talk to each other through that window and kind of, you know, uh, build a relationship. And then these these people fall in love with each other without ever having seen each other. And then, you know, at the end of a certain number of days, you know, one of them would propose to the other, and then they would they would agree to get married before they ever even saw each other. And then they go on this very, you know, brief honeymoon and. You know, kind of get to know each other a little bit more, and then you know they uh, put all the couples who survived it and, and coupled up into 
one apartment complex where they start kind of living in the real world and you know go back to their jobs and, and stuff like that. And then they decide whether or not they want to actually get married and stay together. And it's not decided until the actual wedding day, They, which is fucking wild. This whole thing was really strange to watch. Um, so even and people like they, they, they know what decision they're going to make before this happens. But, you know, you, you have uh, the decision made on the on the day, like the bride is standing up there on the altar and and the you know officiant will say, you know, do you take this lawful, do you take this person to be your lawful wedded wife, blah, blah, blah. And then you have them saying either I do or I don't right then and there. And it was, it was just uh, such a, a weird, crazy thing to watch and really oddly entertaining. That was, uh, we just blew through that in like a few days. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. So we watched that and, uh, there's not a whole lot else that we're watching at the moment. We might, you know, pop on a movie here and there. We don't agree on movies very much. We watch a lot more TV together. Um, but those are the two things we're definitely going to, uh, pick up on, uh, on Jack Ryan and, uh, finish that season. And, uh, a lot of stuff just ended up that we've been watching. So. The, the bank might be pretty empty unless we find some other stuff. We'll peruse Netflix and uh, Hulu and uh, other things. Uh, Westworld is coming back actually, so we're gonna we're gonna watch that. That just came back uh, last week, I think. Wow, I didn't think that'd be uh, the type of thing you'd be one. into. Oh yeah, no, we loved it. We loved it. So this is the third season coming up, and uh, Aaron Paul is joining the uh, the cast, uh, which is gonna be pretty cool. And then Ozark on Netflix with. Uh, Jason Bateman and Laura Linney. Uh, third season is starting next week, so uh, I'll be watching that uh, because I love that show. It's fantastic. And I did hear about another Jason uh, Jason Bateman show is uh, The Outsider, based on that Stephen King novel. Everyone's saying that that's great. Oh, yeah, the HBO show. Yeah, the HBO show, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I, so I might check that out, too. I mean, it's a pretty strong I, list. I was intrigued by it, and then it kind of premiered, and I forgot. But obviously, you can always play catch-up, so I know I'm definitely going to be playing catch-up on that. How are you dealing with not right. being able to go to the movies open-endedly at this point? Um, I mean, not, at least through May, because nothing new is opening for the next six weeks, I think. I'm pretty sure the May slate's already been cleared. Right. I mean, it's it's easier than I, I would have thought. I mean, I, I don't go to the movies nearly as much as I used to. Um, this is true. Especially since I had a kid. It's just not as easy to go anymore. Um, and there's not also there's also just not as much that I really feel like I need to see in the movies anymore. I mean, I, you know, I have that ticket stub collection. I used to collect every stub from every movie I would see. I mean, you know, based on uh, old counts that I had, I used to go to the movies 30 something times a year. You know, wow. I was in the movies three times a month, but last year, I, I think I went five or six times, maybe. Total. Oh man, that's a um, huge draw. So, yeah. I mean, I, I don't go anywhere near as much and regrettably, it's one of my favorite things to do in the world. But, uh, you know, I'm just sort of already used to it after a year and a half of just kind of cutting down on that. Uh, this isn't really a big change for me. It's something Sherry and I have been kicking ourselves for because the last movie we went and saw was Star Wars, and that was December. And we kept saying there were a bunch of movies that came out. We said, oh, we need to go see. We should go see. And just didn't make it to the theater to actually see them. So now we're kind of bummed thinking, damn, we're not going to get, you know, we are cinephiles. And uh, even a couple weeks ago, there was a, a screening of Goodfellas at a at a theater close-ish to us. It's about a half hour away. But we said, man, we should really go see that. This, actually, I think it was at the beginning of the month. It may have been like the first Wednesday of March. So it was only a couple weeks ago. And we thought, oh, we should go. Now I kind of wish we'd gone, just considering that we're not going to go to the movies for a while, which not that I have any shortage of movies in physical form. 
And obviously streaming is a, is a bottomless pit of options. But actually going to the theater, right. it's kind of a bummer because we haven't gone in a while. So we were just talking about that the, that the other day. And, and Jack in particular, who goes to the movies all the time, it's a thing with him and his wife. So I thought, wow, I wonder how he's going to handle this because he isn't. He said he hasn't been to the movies in a couple of weeks for the first time since he was a little kid. And I totally believe wow. it. Oh, I believe that too. Absolutely. That's not a lie. <laughs> yeah, he's a nut. All right, Ryan, we've come to the part of the show where you get to answer our quarantine questionnaire. Oh, great. I can't wait. <laughs> well, don't speak too soon. All right. First question. What do you put on first, pants or socks? Uh, Pants. If right now you could have a meal in one restaurant, what would it be? Minus the whole virus situation. If any places were open, where would you go and what meal would you have? Ooh, that's a good question. If any restaurant was open uh, right now, I would love to, and it's only going once a year usually, um, I would love to go down to the uh, Chicken or the Egg in LBI and get their wings, which are my favorite wings in the whole entire world, with the Santos sauce. It's like a spicy, garlicky sauce, and it's delicious, and they're huge breaded wings, and they're my favorite, and that's where I would go. I would take the almost hour drive down there, and that's what I would want, without a doubt. There are a lot of artists and singers and songwriters, performers, doing living room concerts and streaming them. So what artist or band would you like to see a stripped-down acoustic living room performance from? Richard Marks. He's the man. And we've seen him you know, twice together, and He's done those uh, those stripped down acoustic performances, but he's one of my favorite people ever. And uh, if you don't follow him on Twitter, even if you don't like his music, go right now and follow him on Twitter because he is hysterical. And uh, he's one of my favorite artists, has been since I was a kid. Just music is fantastic; it brings me back. And if if there was someone I'd want to perform in my living room right now, it would be him. You could be quarantined with two celebrities, one male, one female. Who do you choose? Uh, one male would be Robert Downey Jr., and then one female would be... I'm going to go out on a limb. This is going to be random, but I'm going to say Kobe Smulders right now. Taking weight gain and other health risks out of the equation, what five foods would you want to eat while being stuck at home? Uh, definitely pizza. Chicken, fried chicken of some sort, chicken nuggets, chicken strips, chicken fingers, whatever you want to call them. I definitely need ice cream in some form. I also need hamburgers, cheeseburgers, uh, loaded up. That's, uh, something that I absolutely love. Even though I'm in the same vein, we'll, we'll go with, uh, with chicken wings as well. I love wings. Bone in because boneless wings are for sissies. <laughs> So pizza, cheeseburgers, ice cream, chicken nuggets or fingers, and then chicken wings separately. You meet Jeremy Renner in an elevator, and you have enough time for one question. What do you ask him? Did you and Scarlett do it? <laughs> if you could be a woman for a day, what would you do? Oh, uh, you know what I would do. <laughs> I, I might, but the audience doesn't. <laughs> if I could be a woman for the day, I'd be playing with myself all day. Guaranteed. I wouldn't stop until it hurt. If exposure to the coronavirus weren't a factor, what place would you like to have visited before the pandemic? A city, a theme park, a country, an event, whatever. So I would definitely love to go back to uh, Southern California, which obviously we've been to uh, a few times already, and I know we're planning on going next year. But just to, to fast forward that, I, I would love to go back, particularly San Diego, where I've never been. 
Um, I would definitely love to see that and just be there in the warmth and the sunshine and see some fucking palm trees and eat and drink and be merry. That's where I would want to be. Bruce Wayne, John McClane, Martin Riggs. Who has the biggest penis? John McClane. Absolutely. If you ever released a cologne, what would you call it and what would it smell like? Oof. God damn it, I hate you. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> this is such a, it's such a good question, but I hate you. So if I ever released a cologne, um, I would call it awesome because that's my one of my favorite words ever, and I use it to describe pretty much everything that I like. Everything is awesome. Um, and it would smell like probably uh, a mixture of one of my favorite scents, would be uh, like a, a eucalyptus mint, sort of something like that. It's very calming and relaxing, but also delightful and awesome. So that's what would be my stupid answer to this very weird question. <laughs> what will you personally be cooking during your self-quarantine? Uh, personally cooking, we have done quite a few grilled cheeses already, which I'm a master at. I make a ridiculously good grilled cheese sandwich. Uh, so we've been doing uh, a lot of that. A little bit of breakfast, some eggs, bacon, pork roll. The stuff has been simple, and we're going to be doing some ordering out. So not too, too much cooking, but uh, those are the few things that we've done so far. Your house is on fire, and your wife's able to get your daughter and dogs out of the house safely. But you have enough time to grab one case of beer and two toys. What brand of beer would you take and which two toys? All right, so the brand of beer I would take would be anything from Icarus, you know, the brewery in our, our old hometown, Lakewood. And uh, two toys would be probably anything from my Ghostbusters collection, probably the older ones from the 80s that I have repurchased. If you transitioned to a female, what would you change your name to? Right, if I were to become a female and I would change my name to probably some sort of stripper name, like uh, give me like an Alyssa or uh, a Diamond or something stupid like that. Stage name for a stripper. <laughs> If you could have sex with a cartoon character other than Jessica Rabbit, who would it be? Oh, come on. You <laughs> knew that was going to be my answer. <laughs> Got to take it out of the it. equation. That's too easy. That's everybody. It should be everybody's answer. The, yeah, that definitely would have been my answer. Um, all right. So if I were to be able to have sex with a cartoon character, it would be uh, Summer from Rick and Morty, especially in that badass episode where it was like the Mad Max episode and she was like all decked out in that. Uh, uh, steampunk shit. Yeah, that was, she was hot. If the quarantine lasts for months and there's a meat shortage and your only option is to catch and kill birds and squirrels, what method would you use? So I'd probably have to kill them in my backyard or I have fencing so they'd be trapped, theoretically. So if my only option for meat was to kill birds and squirrels, I would just send my dogs after them. My dogs would tear them apart in a minute if they could ever get their hands on one. They got that kill instinct going really hard, and if they ever found something and were able to catch it, <laughs> that's what I would do. A couple of shakes and they're done. If there was a Mount Rushmore for film characters, what four faces would be on it? For film characters, they would definitely be John McClane, uh, for me, Martin Riggs, and then it would be Tony Stark, and then Peter Venkman. Not a single Batman, I'm surprised. Yeah, no, no Batman in this instance. <laughs> no, there's not a certain jaw and mouth you want to see on the Mount Rushmore? Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> All right, Ryan, that's the end of the questionnaire. Thank you very much for taking part. You've won nothing, but it was entertaining. Aww. At least admit it was entertaining. Come on. It was. Well, shit. And uh, that's it. We're done. We've reached the end of the show. Okay. So you, you'll be free to go. And uh, everybody can follow Ryan where? Um, you can follow me nowhere, really. <laughs> well, not because you're inside, but you, you could be found on social media. You, you have your beer uh, page that at you and your wife do. Honey? Uh, yes. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not very active on Twitter anymore. and My personal Instagram has kind of fallen by the wayside. But um, if you're interested in craft beer, uh, Jen and I do a page called Honey, I Drunk the Beers with an underscore between each word. And that's where you can find me most of the time. On Instagram. On Instagram, yes. And, of course, you can follow this show at Cape Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Cape Pod. You can follow me at Chris Abalo on Twitter. And at Chris Sells Out on Instagram, and we'll be back with another show on Friday. Thank you very much, Ryan, for being on the show. I appreciate it. You're I, very welcome. I enjoyed it. I hope you had fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, revisiting all the old tropes, I'm telling you. That's what this new version of this show is going to be. It's going to be a hybrid of the I'm old show and, and this show. Absolutely fine with that. I'm not mad. So until next time, this is Chris Abalo, and this was yet another experiment. Experiment.